0: This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I'm Kara Shamborsky here with Nick White and today we're going to do something a little bit different because longtime listeners of this show will know that Nick and I have kind of a reputation in that Nick is quote unquote the valiant guy And I am, quote-unquote, the Archie guy. So for this episode, we decided to swap fandoms. Nick picked a book that he felt was representative of Valiant for me, a newbie to Valiant. And I picked a book that I thought was representative of Archie Comics for Nick to read. And uh, we're going to discuss. So, uh, Nick, how about you tell our fabulous listeners which book you picked for me to read?
1: Yeah. So the book I picked is Bloodshot Reborn, Volume 1. Uh, this came out in 2015. It was a part of what was called like the Valiant Next series of titles. Uh, towards the end of 2014, they were making a really big push um, towards introducing some new books. Uh, This was the second of the six that rolled out. The first was The Valiant by Matt Kint and Jeff Lemire with art by Paolo Rivera. And this book, Bloodshot Reborn, uh, is meant to basically roll out of The Valiant and sort of basically give people who were new to Bloodshot or were looking for a new entry point uh, to have a new series to follow, and I think they were also trying to give people who were into Jeff, who are into Jeff Lemire, sort of an opportunity to, um, you know, uh, pick up a, a Jeff Lemire book, and so, uh, it's written by Jeff Lemire, obviously, with art, uh, primarily and largely by Miko Suwayan, except for the fifth issue, which was, uh drawn by Raul Allen and Patricia Martin. So, yes, that was that was the book I picked.
0: So, I had gone into this book with a very limited knowledge of the Valiant universe. I had read some stuff like like many many years ago, like 5 or 6 years ago at this point. So, I didn't really like know a lot about it um i think i had read um was there a book called divinity or something like that
1: yeah that's correct yeah divinity Mm -hmm.
0: i think i had read that one and liked it and i had read uh some of the faith stuff and when that first came out but like i don't really know anything about the universe so going into this this bloodshot book I have to admit, I did have a slight leg up on the exposition in the beginning explaining the concept of Bloodshot because I had just watched the Bloodshot movie.
1: (laughs) Right, and that was my hope. Like, that that was kind of both in picking this book for you and also sort of looking at this as an opportunity for our listeners to maybe have their own introduction to Valiant. I figured something linked to the movie would be a pretty... Um, smart way of of uh, navigating that. So that's yeah, that was what informed that. So okay,
0: all right. So so reading reading this book was interesting for me because it's not the kind of book I would have chosen to read because it's very just like gun solve all your problems, and that is not the kind of media that I normally gravitate towards. And I was also annoyed because. I, like I said, I have a very limited experience with Valiant, but I know enough to know that the the Bloodshot, that Bloodshot's, like, ex-girlfriend, I guess? Like, I remember that I had read something in which I said, oh, I like that character. So I was very disappointed to start reading this book only to find out that she's dead. <laughs> and that was not a great starting place for me
1: oh um oh you mean k k the geomancer yeah Um, that one right so
0: i mean spoilers uh, for anyone who doesn't know anything about valiant but like they do start the book by saying she's dead and you're like what
1: so yeah and um i get your disappointment in terms of that and yet i also would temper that by saying who how do i tiptoe this real hard um this is comics, and <laughs> if there was one rule that's consistent about superhero comics, I want Nobody's everyone to think dead. about that rule just for a moment or two. All right, all right. And I won't say any more, but Thanks. I think maybe you're picking up what I'm putting down. <laughs> oh my god!
0: Okay. Um, is that so, fa- like? Is that yeah, fair? Do you? Yeah. Do you- we okay. get it, Nick. We yeah. get it. All right. So, um. So this, this book, like you said, is very much like we're going to do some heavy bloodshot exposition while still showing you a new story, which I did appreciate because within the first four pages, I knew what kind of character I was dealing with. Heavy shades of the Punisher, Nick, I got to say, heavy shades, <laughs> heavy That's shades. Fair. So, um So, but like that said, that meant that because I have seen part of the Punisher on Netflix because I am a true and proper comic nerd who only ever reads the comics <laughs> I kind of like knew the kind of trope of what I was getting to of like oh I'm terrible and I killed people but now I'm rethinking my actions and might want to have a different <laughs> path forward I'm like alright
1: maybe those actions had consequences they right? Have exactly. consequences
0: but also guns are still the answer cause this is what I know and I'm like oh god okay yeah, fine I, but- sorry go ahead <laughs> no, <it's okay. laughs> but um it's it there were a few moments like that I felt approached this kind of uniquely American macho man devoid of feelings journey, or like not in touch with your feelings journey that we do see in a lot of action or superhero comics that I thought were, um, like realistic or borderline subversive enough that I kept being interested. For example, there's this part where um, bloodshot is, cause like the, the story starts with you finding out that bloodshot used to be like super like strong and fast and tough and like indestructible because of these nanites in his bloodstream because comic books and um at the start of this book he does not have the nanites but he used to so he's kind of dealing with being human for him the first time because he does not remember his life before bloodshot but he actually is given the space in the narration to cope with that like the part that really struck me is when he is um he's like battling this other like super jacked person and he realizes that he is not as strong as he's used to being and he has kind of like actively let himself go and as someone who used to do crossfit i felt that because (laughs) like having muscles and not having muscles are two extremely different things and give you very different abilities and i'm not gonna lie y'all pandemic kara has not left the couch except to take a walk so when he was like oh my muscles are not Like, it's like, it's like swimming, everything hurts. And I'm like, man, this is like the realest I have ever seen a superhero book be.
1: Yeah. And I think, I I think what you're kind of getting at, and I think what really appealed to me about this book is that I've also read the, um, Bloodshot book, uh, Dwayne Swierensky's run, which launched in 2012 along with, with, um, the Valiant relaunch. And that was very much, uh, it wasn't a bad book and you knew what you were getting into, but that was very much just, just what you would kind of expect from an action book. And in a lot of ways, that was also what people wanted because that was also what the 90s version, version of Bloodshot was. And so what I really like about Lemire's run and you see some of that in this volume I think you certainly see more of it as the series goes on um because Lemire was writing this book for maybe three maybe three and a half years if you count um Bloodshot Reborn Bloodshot I think it's called Bloodshot New York City and then Bloodshot Salvation um is it's sort of not to get super serious, because I think some of this, people would say, oh, you're reading into it too much. But I think some of it's there. I find it an interesting take from a an outsider, you know, Lemire being Canadian, kind of an outsider perspective on um, violence in America um, and sort of uh, how violence permeates American culture. Not to get this c- controversial, but... Um, but it, when you, but it
0: does. So yes. When you look really at how easy it is.
1: Right. When you look at how easy it is for him to acquire firearms. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's a passing moment in the comic. I think it's meant to be sort of a glib joke. But, you know, it's there. And and when they talk about the initial tragedy being um, uh, the shooting up of a of a movie theater in, in Colorado, right? Um, this book was written in in um knowing how much Lemire tends to write things way in advance of when they come out he was probably writing this that issue in like 2014, maybe even 2013 so only a year or two after after that tragedy in um in Colorado. so there's definitely some hard to miss parallels with, um sort of tragic moments in america's history uh and so uh, sometimes they verge a little bit on being on the nose but i think a lot of this book kind of struggles with how do we deal with kind of this um cultural obsession with violence whether it's um whether it's being presented as this uh disease right like literally this like trans disease that's transforming people or or even looking at um you know the kid that he's interacting with at the at the hotel who is obsessed with you know all this violent stuff and we're not going to go down the whole like (laughs) violent, uh, do violent video games, make people violent or whatever. I realized Lemire was trying to just do some quick shorthand about, you know, just how people are inundated with, with violence and, you know, all forms of pop culture and whether or not those things are influencing people. Again, I don't want to make any claims there and certainly people much more qualified have, but um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I sort of, fell down a rabbit hole of sort of analyzing this book as Lemire attempting to present a action narrative comic, but also make some interesting commentary on, on um, American culture uh, and its interactions with violence. I don't know.
0: Well, you you (laughs) definitely don't say, I don't know after doing an in-depth analysis. (laughs) Anyway, here's here's my 30 30 page thesis.
1: Take (laughs) it or leave it.
0: (laughs) Okay. Um, so I have I have some additional thoughts about about this book. Um one uh I did not appreciate that every female character well okay, every female character any attractive female character in the book was called a slut at least once. I did not appreciate that. I understood why it was a choice that was made to illustrate that the person referencing her as a slut was not to be trusted, but I still did not appreciate it and felt that it was lazy writing. Um, Also, uh, the blood squirt hallucination... That right, is the like, one drawn by you... Jeff
1: Lemire. That was his. That was his artwork the whole time.
0: Oh, okay. Um, was not expecting a total Batmite character to show up, but it worked. So okay, because it's very like this. This like totally out of place cartoon sidekick is basically harassing Bloodshot the entire time, but it kind of works because you know he's fucked up. And, of course, he would be hallucinating, or maybe it's the nanites talking. And
1: you Oh, don't perf- I love know. that. I love that. It's like, because so. he does such a good job of riding the line, at least for me, where I'm just constantly like, is it real? Is it not real? Like, there's even a moment where you see him coming out of the gun store, right? And 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 he's carrying that little case of fireworks, right? And you're like, oh, this is all made up. But if you look, there's another shot later where they show the van parked. And the fireworks are on top. So it's like what is reality? Ooh. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Um also, uh speaking of recurring themes that longtime listeners will know about, uh, the artwork was not really vibing with it. Don't generally like artwork like that, yeah. I just kind of like, oh, you're here to service the story. Um, there were a couple panels, especially I think during fight scenes, where It actually did feel, though, that even though the characters were, like, really muscle-bound, it wasn't, like, a cartoony muscle-boundness. Like, it felt grounded enough in reality where, like, it seemed realistic, like, that those muscles would have that that heft to it. They didn't feel as flat as some other superhero muscles. I don't know. That was just, like, a weird, weird detail that I noticed. But um, the last chapter in this volume the artwork completely changed and I was like, oh, oh I like this. Why yes. wasn't the whole volume this?
1: <laughs> so yes. So I totally to get this. I, I I agree with you one hundred percent. Uh Miko Sueyan who drew the first four issues. Um it's a very detailed style. I it's sort of if you have like the the stylized versus realism realism spectrum, like this his style starts to lean more towards Alex Ross, right? It starts to verge towards photorealism. Mm-hmm. And for me, I don't really love that, so I'm totally right there with you. I think it's a good it's a technically solid style that I think Brings in people who like superhero, muscly books, right? I agree with you. I think there's more realism to the muscle. Totally not always my thing. As for the last issue, Raul Allen and Patricia Martin are top five, at least top ten, of my all-time favorite artists. Well, so just, I totally get you. I mean, It's it also, so good.
0: It's more dreamy and painterly especially with the color choices so i just felt like when i got to the last chapter in this volume that the hallucinations that bloodshots may be happening made more sense because all of reality felt a little dreamlike with that style
1: yeah if you like that art um, those two are the ones that drew Secret Weapons, the book I can never shut up about, and you know, <laughs> recommended for a bunch of things. They drew Secret Weapons. They did Wrath of the Eternal Warrior. Um, they're so good. They're so 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 good. I love their art a bunch. And um, uh, I, the one thing I, I, I do want to mention about this book, and you probably noticed this too, is that I think with like DC, with Marvel, with other studios. Um, the reason that you see a lot of artist changes, especially within the same run, especially within the same issue, is it's, it's generally about meeting deadlines, right? You're mm-hmm. putting a second colorist on the book because this book comes out in two weeks. You're putting an extra penciler on this book because the main penciler isn't keeping up. Like, they're not style choices. Mm-hmm. They're time-based choices. And so, what I really love about this book is you see the fact that, and I don't know if it's as true within the last year, year and a half, but Valiant makes those sorts of decisions deliberately as a style choice. And mm-hmm. so, like having Lemire draw Blood Squirt, like would you see a choice like that made at DC or Marvel? I'm not so sure you would. Um, Think and of then the yet- IP
0: value, Nick. You have to uh, yeah, protect yeah, the exactly. IP.
1: Exactly. And then like having having the last issue be a dreamy sort of one and you bring in this artist who really well matches that like would again, would you see that at a big two book? I don't I don't know if you would have the the producers or, or the editors say, you know, for the last issue of this arc, we're going to bring in somebody different because the issue is going to be a dreamscape. I don't I don't know if you would have those choices being made. So, um, yeah. All
0: right. So, uh overall, like I said, this is not a book I would have read had you not given it to me to read for homework. But by the time I got to the end of it, I was interested to read more even though I wasn't necessarily comfortable with the subject matter since it is very shoot 'em up. Um, but I was curious and I appreciated that there were enough uh, references to other Valiant stuff where I was like intrigued but didn't get mad at not knowing what those references were I was just like oh this is part of a bigger world maybe I should know more about that bigger world Um, and like because I had read a couple things a million years ago when for example Bloodsquirt makes a bunch of references I knew enough to know that he was making a reference even if I didn't understand the full reference if that makes sense
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that last issue is like, Hey, this is Ninjak, this is LiveWire and I'm like, I don't know how Kara's gonna feel about
0: this (laughs) I was like, Oh, those must be Oh no. Even if I didn't know the characters, like I knew Ninjac because I feel like any property that has a white dude cosplaying as a ninja, like everyone knows (laughs) Who that is like snake eyes yeah. is everyone's yeah. favorite gi joe character <laughs> like that's just a thing right. that it just becomes part of your knowledge <laughs> but like i've never yeah. read a ninja book but i'm like the white dude who is a ninja cosplay right. i've
1: seen this trope yeah right. I've right, seen right. This.
0: so and then the other characters i was like oh clearly these are other characters who are valiant superheroes who are being referenced and if i was a valiant fan i'm sure i would be tickled
1: yeah (laughs) yeah live live wire is so cool i i I might have to uh i i would definitely encourage you to read secret weapons because live wire is a big part of that and she is she is awesome
0: uh so we're back to secret weapons nick you're right you can't stop
1: I can't, I can't stop. Like it was, it was my book for Goodreads last year and, and, uh, not to pat my, pat myself on the back, but, uh, everybody who read that book, uh, nothing but good things to say about it. So, um, then, then I decided that I was going to just keep pushing this in a self-destructive fashion. So (laughs) this year it was an aliens book and I don't know how I'm going to pick a more slightly, uh, more polarizing book next year but we'll see um
0: i'm sure you'll find a way
1: (laughs) yeah exactly uh life finds a way so um yeah
0: (laughs) all right so um in an unexpectedly complete 180 from yeah your homework for me (laughs) that's fair um my like you know while i was reading this this bloodshot pick i was like damn we really could not have picked more opposite subject matters for this episode if we tried um so for you because i i grew up reading archie comics i actually worked there for a few months after college and i um continue to appreciate Uh, their product and the risks that they're able to take as a family-owned company, as opposed to um, a subdivision of a much larger company. Um, And I, it's so interesting for me revisiting Archie comics as an adult, because they, when you, the more you think about them, the weirder they are, because it is, stories about teenagers written by adults for children and when you think of it like that you realize that in no way would these ever be realistic representations of anybody but as right. com- but um but I'm getting ahead of myself so my homework for you was to read Archie 75th anniversary digest number 2 and you might be thinking why number 2 and the answer is because the Archie 75th anniversary digest Series was a series of like shorter anthologies that Archie Comics printed up to celebrate their 75th anniversary. And I read volume one, but was really confused by the stories they chose to be in that number one. Um, it was like, uh, it was like really heavy on a couple decades and nothing from other decades and, um, like at least 40 pages about pets. And I was like, Nick will murder me if I make him read 40 pages about the Archie Comics characters and their pets.
1: I um, mean, so... n- no, probably not. I mean,
0: <laughs> but, uh, but number two, um, had a lot more. Like the interesting thing about reading so many Archie comics for me growing up was that they, um, are really because they went for so many decades doing the same tropes over and over again, but with different like window dressing, essentially, it was kind of a way to osmose cultural changes happening in the U S through this weird lens of Archie comics. So I always appreciated that about them. And so, um, anniversary digest number two had a full range of stories from the 1940s through the 2010s, And it had a lot of stories drawn by Harry Lucy, who is one of the best, like, conveying action, uh, illustrators, I think, of the 20th century. Um, don't at me. That's just a fact. So, I will stop talking, and Nick, why don't you share your thoughts of having to read 200 pages of Archie Comics for this?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, where to begin? Uh, jeez uh from the last topic i'm just going to sneak this in because i i want to make sure i was completely clear on this i don't want to jump back to this for too long but i do not want anyone getting the wrong idea okay um i don't think based on the research i don't think video games make people violent so i don't want the video game people coming Nick, after me okay nobody was still thinking that just <laughs> Well, I was, I don't want those people mad at me. Anyway, oh let's talk about another um hot um hot spot for violence, which is Archie Comics. So maybe video games don't make people violent after having read Archie. Uh maybe this maybe a case can be made for this. No, I'm just kidding. Um I think like the biggest TLDR takeaway from all of these stories would be And it makes sense, because Archie's been around for so long, but like the big takeaway for me was, wow, we can pretty much go anywhere and pretty much do anything with this, and we have. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I think people look at something like Superman, and they're like, oh, Superman's been around for a really long time, so um, how do we make things fresh? And I think people struggle with that. Um, I think Archie's been like, dude, this is about normal people. We can do whatever the fuck we want. Mm-hmm. And they have. And they have. um, Having a whole story where a cat is like, hey, <gasps> um, let me make some rules for you. <laughs> um, cats could talk to kids. If you're wondering why I haven't up until this point, it's because I haven't wanted to. <laughs> this is the last day where when I can talk to you to these kids before you're too old to understand me. So now it started to like, feel like, um, the polar express where like the bell doesn't ring for you when you get too old. And I was like, this story is going to make me fucking sad, yes. isn't it? Yes, it is. <laughs> and then at the end, they're like, yeah, cats don't have feelings. And then the last panel is the cat crying. And I'm like, I hate Kara so much at this <laughs> point. Like, so that I'm was so sad.
0: So that was a little Archie story. Um, so cut, so, um, uh, took, to clarify what, um, yes, I it think, needs it. Yeah. Please to, clarify. To, to clarify what Nick was saying. Um, so, the Archie, So Archie Comics have been essentially doing different versions of the same stories for 75 years. Um, Archie Comics president Mike Pellerito said something, I forget, I don't have a citation, but he said something like, there are only five basic Archie stories, and they just keep redoing them. Which is true, not necessarily a bad thing, because sometimes you just want to watch Archie make two dates at the same time and have to figure out how to have both dates at the same time, you know? Um so something that they did in the oh boy I want to say 60s 70s was the Little Archie series which was envisioning Archie and all his friends um as kids in Riverdale and uh those stories were kind of dreamy at points like very oh, yeah. very philosophical Visually, yeah very weird like they met aliens um they met monsters there was like a mad scientist down the road like anything could happen in the little archie books and it all was just it just kind of worked because it was kind of like this weird um pseudo-idealized version of childhood where these very profound things happened like this story in this collection about caramel betty's cat who's just like telling her life story to little Betty and little Veronica. And then you just want to curl up under your covers and never reemerge.
1: I mean, I, Oh God, what, what a fucking crazy departure that was. (laughs) Um, Especially even like aesthetically speaking, um, obviously with a lot of these stories you could tell. And it makes sense that there is a very strong um, house style for Archie um but this was like this was very different um and I I I really really enjoyed that um I I also never thought that this book would kick off with uh it's a Frank Doyle story uh drawn by Harry Lucy Harry Lucy that has Archie as a DJ who gets enmeshed in a payola scandal uh (laughs) I never thought I would write that in my notebook. It was kind of one of those, like, if you have enough, like, monkeys in front of typewriters, you'll eventually get Shakespeare moments <laughs> where it was like, I guess with all the letters in the alphabet and all the words I could string together, this this would happen eventually. I'm just shocked it happened now. Um. So, yeah, you have this story where Archie is, like, the after-school dance DJ and... People are like thinking that Archie is like the pathway to, to stardom, <laughs>
0: even <laughs> so, though he's only spinning in like the cafeteria, the like, so,
1: gymnasium. Oh my god, it's 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 cra- it's crazy. And 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 the editorial notes, which I always appreciate, really well organized collections of comics. And with this, before every story, you have a synopsis, you have a credits page. Typically, they talk to someone like a celebrity, like Stanley or Stephen King, and they've got a quote to weigh in on it. I I really like that stuff as kind of a primer, especially as someone who's um not well versed in these things. So it's helpful to have that sort of context of saying, like, "Oh, this was us trying to talk about the pale scandals of the time um, that were going on in in music." Um, so that was kind of crazy. Uh. You could also tell that it was not a modern story from the fact that you have the principal calling Archie's dad to come down to the school and kick Archie's ass on school property, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which uh again, that was very much a moment where it's like, put this in the things that would not happen now, column uh-huh. um. <laughs> which which as you go through these stories there a lot of are that definitely there's a lot other of that <laughs> yeah definitely other times but i mean you end up at the end of the story spoilers for a small 1960s <laughs> archeries comic i'm sure there's one person out there who's going to be very disappointed um they uh he accidentally bumps the recorder when his dad is kicking his ass and the recording of him getting beat up. He's they not put getting it to... beat
0: up, Nick. He's getting spanked. His dad brought the brush yeah. to spank him with the brush. I was like, what is happening? But that used yeah. to be like socially
1: acceptable. <laughs> right, right. So that gets recorded and put to music and becomes <laughs> a new dance craze. And as disturbing as it was that Archie got beat beat up on school grounds by his dad the ending was actually disturbingly clever i was like that's interesting but also um
0: um, remixes of people like in in like just saying stuff or like in fights or whatever getting remixed to music is something that still happens just with the internet now
1: Right, as I wrote in my notes here, I put it's a morally questionable example of music sampling. Yes, <laughs> so uh, sure, and you're right; it still it still happens to this day. So, um, I also have some questions uh-huh. that might reflect uh, just truly how little I know about Archie. So, I I'm think you'll love these, and I'm sure that some people at home will have their eyes rolling back. I mean, I'm sorry. You're probably going to have to go to urgent care, but your eyes are going to roll back real far into the back of your head on this one. Um, Why does Archie have an R on his sweater? Does he not know that his initials are AA?
0: R for Riverdale. They live in Riverdale. That's his school spirit. The real question is, why does Jughead have an S on his sweater? We just don't know.
1: I mean, what? Are you reading all of my questions off of this notebook or... (laughs)
0: i mean the the s is like a comment they they've made jokes throughout the decades about well what does the s mean but um, wait
1: what this is a joke i thought i actually came up with a really good theory it's this hasn't been resolved what's, I, what's I, your theory
0: there are so my, many theories what's yours okay
1: mine is i feel like this is like a no-brainer but like jughead is not his real name his real name starts with s and that's what the S is for.
0: Okay, you're going to feel real smug because that's my theory, except I actually have more knowledge about this world to be able to back it up with facts. <laughs> facts. Jughead has an identical twin named Souphead. This is canon. I was so, about to say,
1: are we still dealing with your theory, or is this no, actual... this is canon. <laughs>
0: canon. Jughead canonly has a cousin who looks identical to him whose name is Souphead. Okay. And so my theory is that At some point, Jughead and Souphead swapped places permanently, and Jughead wears the S on his sweater to let us know that he's really Souphead. (laughs) That's my deep cut theory. That's
1: that's terrifying. Oh my god. So, um, yeah. Yeah. that that,
0: that's my theory um i appreciated that on the television show riverdale jughead does often wear a shirt with an s on it and it's never explained so that was a nice nod from the comics that they didn't have to keep it dead
1: okay okay um i i also have a note here i really liked the story garbage in garbage out um i think only in archie would you ever find a multi-part story uh that just hinges on the fact that Jughead forgot to take out the trash on the right day and is now paying the price for a prolonged period of time. Um, Yeah. I think we can all maybe relate to something akin to that. So (laughs) like, I definitely read that story and I was like, yes, I've been here, like, I've done this, I get this, so... I actually um, had
0: to read that one twice, because I couldn't quite follow the first time I read through how we got from Jughead didn't take out the trash to Jughead is converting the school health nut into occasionally eating some chocolate,
1: but... Oh, wait, yeah, I didn't understand that either. I thought maybe it was, like, a weird, awkward, like... Where like the issues had multi multiple stories and it didn't get split right for the collection. I You're read saying it. I read it there's... again. That's all the same okay. story.
0: So okay. the switch is where Jughead ditches the garbage bags at the neighbor's house, and he's talking about how the neighbors are such health nuts. So he's surprised that they just don't compost everything. And he's like sneering about it. And then the next panel, which is on a different page, which is why it's confusing, is him and Archie in the school cafeteria. And Jughead complaining about how now, because of this neighbor student, everyone in school is a health nut. And he's it's driving him crazy because he wants everyone to be able to appreciate junk food. So to prove a point, he just eats junk food every day for a week until his body can't take it anymore. And he needs vegetables. And they end with like a moral of the story about how moderation is key in everything you eat. And I'm like, this started with Jughead not taking out the trash. <laughs> like,
1: what? So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we'll go. Uh, what else? Uh, the Archie and the Forty stories I wrote. He looks like Alfred E. Newman a little bit. So a little bit. So
0: the the style from the Forty stories is not, quote-unquote, the Archie House style that you think of when you think of Archie. Um They, right. were, they were drawn by Bob Montana, and uh, the characters look a little lumpy. I'll say it. And in the 50s, when Dan DiCarlo started drawing it, that's where you get kind of the Archie look that
1: um, the other artists kind of riff off of. You know what he kind of looks like in the 30s now that I think about it? Is, like, we've all seen that terrifying, do you call them puppets? The terrifying puppets from, like, Ventriloquism Acts. Oh, yeah. And and there's that one that, like, just makes everyone want to, like, shit their pants in fear because it's just, <laughs> like, he kind of looks like that one a little bit. Okay. Um. So that was, Uh. it was also really interesting to sort of see, like, the newspaper strip offerings as well. Mm -hmm. There was some of those in here, which was really fascinating because most of them were a conventional two by two grid of panels. And so what you were getting was a lot of like four panel beat jokes and uh, just being a freaking nerd, I guess I I always find that sort of thing fascinating when you like people start using panel structure to kind of create a like a system for how they want to do like the cadence of of jokes. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um I found I found that kind of interesting. Um but you know I, I could go on about panel grids forever, so that sort of <laughs> stuff is always kind of fascinating. Um the 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 modeling picture story, I don't remember the name of it, but I I also found that one kind of interesting because first off again you have an another story where archie's kind of a little uh, a little bit of a perv a little bit maybe even a little is not the, correct and it's
0: especially in the first few decades of archie comics the um they are i think it's kind of like an over expression of the whole like teenagers have hormones things but like the boys are girl crazy the girls are boy crazy and there's a lot of dramatic overexpression of those feelings so yeah yeah they're all pervs go on
1: right um but uh so gosh what is it he's he's trying to get pictures taken for like um modeling photography contest I think is what it is who
0: is the most and, beautiful girl in Riverdale send right. us your photo
1: exactly and um while yeah Archie was maybe not exactly behaving uh, a way that I would consider um, appropriate um I did find the end like I think what helps temper I guess some of these stories is that usually in the end, Archie gets thwarted, right? Or his <laughs> ambitions are kind of... Uh, he's basically put in his place, right? Hmm. And while that doesn't totally, like, uh, you know, ignore the fact that, in my mind, he's behaving badly. And when you read the notes at the beginning of most of the stories, there's something that says, like, in, in highfalutin terms, it says, yeah, there's going to be stuff in this story that isn't really you know, perhaps great. socially great now. Yeah. yeah, much like Disney has on a lot of their Disney Plus stuff. I'm just going to make friends left and right here, so we'll, <laughs> we'll 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 rope them into this here too. Um, the fact that Archie generally gets thwarted in a, in most of these tales, and in this picture story, you know, someone's holding a dog, and some of the pictures. Um, but you don't really notice it because the perspective, I thought this was really clever. You see the person holding the dog off to the side and he's taking the picture from one angle. And then at the end, when you finally see the pictures in the newspaper, the way that the picture is being taken, um, like the dog's head ends up superimposed on like Betty's body or, um, like I think the dog's tail ends up superimposed on, um. Veronica's body so it looks like she's got Like a tail and so everyone basically Makes fun of Archie's photos and He becomes the laughing stock and obviously Doesn't win whatever and so Um I did find some of the Stories like I said even Though they were a little dated In some ways and maybe not socially You know I don't know The fact that in so many of these Archie is The fool Archie's the idiot and he's the one Who you know gets Um you know, put in his place. I think that made some of them a little bit easier to to deal with. So yeah,
0: I mean, it's like you said, a lot of these stories, not great. I mean, even I was right. rereading them, and I was like, mm, reading these as a grown up is different. I still like them, but I see the problems now. <laughs> like, um, right? Oh, sure. Yeah, like, um, but I, but I do think that they were even sometimes, you know, aware of those problems. Or, um, I think a good example of this is the story in this collection where Reggie is obsessed with the, like, kung fu shows on TV. So he's, right. like, running around Riverdale High, like, spouting all this, like, pseudo-babble that is, like, a, a dig at this kind of um, kung fu show that maybe does a little exploitation about how, um like martial arts and uh asian practitioner practic- practitioners of martial arts are portrayed in american media in the 60s and 70s so there's like it's clear that Reggie's the idiot in this situation and there's even like archie and um one of his friends chuck whose dad is the coach trying to tell reggie like hey dude um you're doing it wrong and actually this is like a discipline that's supposed to sharpen your like mental focus as well as being a way to protect yourself. And Reggie, like, doesn't want to hear it and he's just like running off making weird, like, hi ya sounds. And you're like, oh, um, I see vague cultural commentary. Still not, you know, the best modern story the way that they would have done it, but for the time, probably borderline progressive in its way.
1: Right. And, and and I sort of liken that as well to the story where um, like Archie is leaving Spanish class and I don't remember what it is, but his 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 classmate says something to him in Spanish. It might be like adios or something like that. And he's like, yeah, we're not in Spanish class anymore. Don't say these things to me. If you want to talk to me, talk to me in English. And I'm like, wow, this first panel, we are leading off (laughs) into, like, a real, like, panel one right out of the gate. This Mm -hmm. is, like, what is happening here? And yet, the story actually tells a somewhat poignant tale about the fact that maybe learning other languages, interacting with and understanding other cultures, maybe not a bad thing. Um, you know, he finds out that he, actually knowing some Spanish allows him to help these people who get in an accident, uh, etc. etc. Um, and I thought that while it was, you know, a little on the nose when you consider when the story was being written and told, um, one, uh, stuff like from that era typically does tend to feel a little on the nose, but mm-hmm. also two, I think it told um a valuable lesson without really like leaning on it super hard like this is a this is how you should be and this is a life skill and see how archie was wrong and um you know to think the way he originally did and and for me that story as well as some of the others kind of make me think of sometimes how like with all in the family again, I'm not trying to only go after characters named Archie. It's just a really weird coincidence that that comes up. Um, you know, with Archie Bunker, you've got this guy who um, he's the main character, and he's maybe not always the best person, but you're you're not supposed to always like him, right? It's the idea that you're supposed to question the things that he does, or um, and and in the same way, I think of archie from archie comics is sort of you know is he the most like morally upstanding character in these stories no and he's not is he like a moral paragon of virtue not really but um you're supposed to look at some of the things he does with a little bit of skepticism or cynicism and and say like oh well maybe this isn't the way to do things so Mm -hmm. i realized that depending upon your mileage of all in the family that, you know, <laughs> I realized that all in the family is maybe a reference that like a lot of people are going to be like, what the fuck? Some,
0: but, some people will know Nick.
1: Yeah. Okay, good. So, but yeah, overall, I, I really liked it. I thought that the way that they were able to preface all of the stories and give me some context, um, was a really good way to sort of have a, clean lead in to a lot of this stuff because like there's a wide like there's a wide net being cast here Mm -hmm. um and so yeah i uh you know we've got stories with reverse tail um we've got stories with like that present an alternate history of how people ended up on earth how oh uh, earth yeah it's (laughs) like where can we not go with this? There's a bunch of one thing I found really weird. There's like a section of like pinups of someone named Katie Keene. Okay. and I was like, right. I so, was like, I don't even know who this person is. I hope she's in Archie comics.
0: <laughs> Nick, okay, so so Katie Keen n- never really crossed over with the core Archie gang. She was in, no- in another book, and she was a supermodel. And she currently has a show on the CW that just finished season one. Um
1: so Uh-huh. Right. So So why did they put those pictures in the
0: Because book? she's an Archie character. It's celebrating seventy five years of Archie. There was some little Archie in okay. there, there was some Katie Keen in there, you saw a little bit of Sabrina. You very briefly saw Josie and the Pussycats, even if I think they were the junkyard dogs and the reverse Dale story. But like there's a, there's a little scattering of some other characters.
1: Yeah. Josie was also in the, um, Archie meets kiss story. The last story of the bunch which I thought was kind of fitting because that sort of, uh, for me, like a lot of my interactions and knowledge of Archie in- involves all of these weird Archie mashup books that have happened. And, and, and I think between the fact that we've seen stuff like Archie and the Punisher uh, Archie and Kiss, Archie in the Predator. Um, Ooh, that Archie
0: and Predator book is great, though.
1: Yeah, well, I I like it because you see a company that is willing to take these risks, um, and also in the same in this on the on the same note, not take their own stuff so seriously, right? Not take their own IP so seriously that they won't do those things and the fact that like uh, there's a little comment from Alex I don't know how you say this Alex Segura, Segura. Yeah. Um, before the story uh, and he mentions like not only is it crazy that we had Archie meets Kiss but he says before I wrote that book i had written one other archie comic i think it was it was a well-received issue but it was like an online only one-off thing mm-hmm. and he said this is what i wanted to do and and they let him do it and of course um you know he's gone on i i, I believe he's the one who wrote um um oh what is the horror one with franca Villa um
0: uh afterlife with archie
1: Right. I think that's... Isn't that Segura as well? I think who wrote that?
0: It's... Uh, no, it's the... It's it's Roberto. I can never pronounce his last name, who also does Riverdale. But, um, no, uh, Alex Segura has, has done... Um, he also did Archie Meets the Ramones, I think. And he's got his own very successful series of noir detective novels set in Miami. So... And he's writing the new uh, Poe Dameron novel. So... Uh, okay yeah I mean Archie Archie Means Kiss was like the first I think big comic story that he did but like he's done a lot of stuff since
1: I was gonna say I thought for some reason that he had also done some of the Archie horror sort of stuff but maybe I'm now it's, confusing it's
0: possible he did and I don't know it off the top of my head I know a lot of Archie stuff off the top of my head that is not one of those things <laughs> But, uh, okay. but yeah, no, um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you did find some things in the stories that you did like, cause while I was rereading it, I was like, oh God, like this is not what Nick reads at all. He's going to be so
1: annoyed, but, um, oh no, no, it's, uh, no, I, I, I found it kind of interesting. And, and like I said, like for me, the fact that they don't seem to have a big problem with um, sort of having this like freedom with their properties is sort of something where I'm, you know, that, that interests me. So um, yeah. And I've, I've, I've read like the predator stuff and I've read um, some of, I think, you know, I think I was confusing Alex Segura with writing another, cause I've read a few Archie books. I think I was confusing, Afterlife with Archie with the fact that I have read his book The Archies mm. um,
0: yeah that might have been it
1: which is his, mu- which is the music one mm-hmm. and while I was kind of like I don't know about this they then had like a crossover with Churches which like took place for like three issues why not um, and there were a bunch of like Churches comic book covers and I was like okay um, put me down for all of them <laughs> And uh, so, yeah, just it, it, it this freedom reminds me a lot of I think a lot of what IDW does with Ninja Turtles, what IDW does with G.I. Joe, where they're like, you know what? if if you have an interesting story, if you are a a really different out there artist like Tom Scioli or someone like that, and, and you feel passionate about this property um, let's, let's, let's just make this happen. Let's just do it. Um, And because I think those are often the moments where people who look at franchise books and sort of cynically, or they look at them as sort of attempting to just get their little, niche audience typically of older comic book readers who are like I still really love The Shadow or whatever and so we need to keep giving those people The Shadow um, I think it gives those people sort of a moment of saying like okay we can do more with these books and and Archie certainly is doing more with these books So
0: Plus such a range of content to choose from like uh, there's just so much uh opportunity for like you said pick, picking some really niche stories like when i was trying to figure out what i should make you read there were so many options like there's that there's a series that um archie does digital only called pep digital i think and
1: i saw that yeah and they
0: have everything kind of like grouped by theme which for me is great because i could really drill down on like my favorite stuff and it gets real specific real quick like there's like a baseball collection because they've done so many they've like a hundred pages plus of just baseball stories there's like a tennis collection there's Betty and Veronica on a boat which I'm good to read because why wouldn't I Um, and then there's just all these um, other stories that they've done throughout like the 80s and the 90s especially they got a little more wacky with their stuff my favorite one to reference is of course Archie's RC Racers which was a series where the gang just like went and did remote control car races around the country and it was like a wacky <laughs> races set up and they had like villains chasing them Um
1: <laughs> I mean I think we all remember like the RC car craze so, right? so yeah like, that's fine stuff
0: like that Um there's Archie BC where it's like Archie and all the gang as, as like cavemen which you kind of saw super quickly referenced <laughs> at the end of that Very Archie Mars story
1: yeah Uh, Like,
0: that's a series, (laughs) like, a sub-series they had within Uh, the Archie comics. Um, Oh, my God. There's Jughead's Time Police, which was recently, like, revisited in a new collection, which is very good, where Jughead is a time cop. Because why not? No other context needed. Um, There's Archie 3000 where uh it's Archie in the year 3000 like you know it's just the characters as long as the characters stay the same they can really be plopped down into any scenario and it works
1: yeah I mean i I think really that's it right is that there are these core kind of rules of interaction or, or relationships between between characters and as long as those remain the same then just do whatever you want with it so um and I think that's that's kind of you know that's what a lot of people want is they want something that you know consumers want something that's you know different but they don't want things to be too different right they just want they want they want the illusion of gosh nick let's get into psychology here they want the illusion of change without it actually happening right and so
0: well what a perfect way to sum up both of the things that we read this week (laughs)
1: bloodshot reborn
0: and archie anniversary digest like that is the common thread is like you want to read something that you know but it's different enough where you're interested and want to keep reading
1: but it's different enough where when you explain it to your friends you have the you get the illusion of being someone who is a more expanded and (laughs) (laughs) well-versed i read different things okay (laughs) We've all we're all there. We're all there. I know everyone's thinking to themselves, "That's not me. It's you." Um,
0: <laughs> so uh, now that we have expanded our, our our comic book knowledge with this adventure of swapping fandoms, any last thoughts about uh, our our reading
1: journey together? Sure. I mean, I would say I think. I don't know if I would keep reading wild and kind of like crazy variety collections, but I think, and I'd have to probably talk to you or someone else, like, like a more focused arc. I think there are definitely some of those out there that I would be interested in, like just based on the ones that I've seen and based on the ones you've talked about, like a lot of these, like quote unquote, like why not scenarios to me, like those seem just very appealing where it's like we're gonna do this and we don't care what anyone else (laughs) says and i think the predator one was the first one for me where i was like like my eyes were opened to the fact that archie comics of all publishers would be like you know what we really don't give a shit (laughs) like (laughs) we're going to do some of these things and we don't care what you think um and i love that so all right
0: um well i i appreciated getting a chance to revisit the valiant universe and i i do genuinely want to keep reading that bloodshot reborn book and seeing um what i think of it but uh yeah it's just nice to it's always nice to kind of see what um other people get hyped about like i don't really get people who are super ambivalent about everything but like if you have something that you're really passionate about i'm like yeah tell me about the thing you're a nerd about because i because i understand that impulse so this is a, a real treat to get to to talk to each other about the things that we're super nerds about thank you
1: yeah likewise We would encourage you to follow us all on Twitter. You can follow Kara at KaraZam. You can follow me at Death Star Plans. You can follow the show at IRCB Podcast, where we post and share comic news, art, sass, and more. This show and our many subscriber only episodes are powered by fans like you on Patreon. You can join now at patreon.com forward slash IRCB Podcast. And if you haven't already, please rate and review our show. Five stars would be great. You can do that at Apple Podcasts. You can do that at Spotify. uh, You can do that at Stitcher or anywhere else you listen to podcasts.
0: Join us on Discord at ircbpodcast.com slash Discord. And make sure to tell a friend or two about the show. Infinity Shred is the best. They do our music. Xander is a wizard who also edits the show. Uh, Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening, and until next time, comics are good, and so are you.